we should just do it for luck. This is Lucky to Lead. That was so good. Okay. Just drop your best one. Welcome to Lucky to Lead. You're talking shit about me? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Lucky Lucky to Lead. Lead. Boom. Dave, we are back. Episode 11. Are you ready to go? 11. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm a little quarantine fatigued. Um, so obviously, uh, I don't know if the listeners know, but my wife is pregnant, so we're being extra cautious. So it's been uh, uh, a good time, but I look forward to always chatting with you. And uh, it, it brings me back to uh, kind of what we do best, I think. Yeah, man. And uh, I am I am so excited to have on yes. today. Um, she goes way, way back. I mean, the fam. Um, <laughs> Hillary, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I'm honestly honored when you reached out. I was super pumped to be on your podcast. So thanks for having me, you guys. And I feel that quarantine fatigue so hard. And I'm feeling for you and your wife, Dave, because I have been going crazy, I feel like, even though things are opening up a little bit, I know they've kind of reverted in Texas on the East Coast. They're kind of getting back to normal. It's still, I'm very conscientious about it, especially being in the medical field, and it's driving me crazy. So you got to do what you can to stay mentally sane over there. Yeah, we're doing everything we can, but uh, we're certainly excited to chat with you, and uh, we feel honored for you to be on here. So thank you. Of course. Yeah, what a Thank sick joke again. for you. what a sick joke for you to be honored to be on air. Like, <laughs> like reverse psychology. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of speaking of keeping busy um, during during quarantine, I think the big obviously we're going to dive into all the all the great things around leadership and 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 where you find your inspiration and how you continue to drive forward on that on that topic, which which we care so much about, but I'd love to open it up with what the heck you're doing now. Yeah, I love it. Good question. Um, I am, my full-time job is something that I have to note because it's still very important in what I'm doing day to day. And that is in the medical device world. So I work in sales for an orthopedic company. That's my number one gig. Um, But I also, since September of last year, I've been running a podcast, the Fempire podcast with my, one of my best friends, um, which is all about women in business and entrepreneurship. Um, It's a really fun platform for us and we've learned so much in doing it. And then most recently um, during quarantine, I decided to launch a wellness brand based on some trainings that I've been doing. Um, I'll be a certified health coach in December of this year. I'm also a yoga instructor. um, So I'm trying to tie that all together. So I launched the whole RX, um, which is my wellness brand that will be officially launching in fall of this year, but it's a pre-launch out now. So I like to be busy, obviously. (laughs) So um, I've got a lot going on there. Love it. Um, Now, can you tell me uh, a little bit, Hillary, kind of where you get your inspiration from, whether it was kind of, you know, when you were growing up, looking back, we usually start out with kind of talking about how and who kind of molded us, uh, you know, kind of from our high school days or middle school days or college days. Can you touch on maybe a leader or two that that really inspired you 
um, that you yeah. look back on that you consistently go back to? Mm-hmm. I've had several. Um, and I love that you guys ask this question. I think it's so important just to understand how people come to be. But um, first and foremost, and Ronnie's had the pleasure of meeting both of my parents, um, and they love Ronnie. Um, but they are my true inspirations and have been such role models for me. Just in growing up, my dad is an incredible, um, just business-oriented, driven individual. He's the most driven person I've ever met, um, and he believes in doing everything 100%. And if you're going to give it less than that, it's not really worth doing, um, so don't commit to it. So I have really taken on um, his leadership in, in my life, in what I do in business um, completely, just how I see things through. I, I don't do anything halfway. Um, and it's from his influence and it was with sports, even though, you know, I was always in every sport. My dad's very athletic and I've played every sport. Um, unfortunately (laughs) not the best athlete. Um, I'm a great runner, but that's about it. Um, he, he wanted me to play for UConn women's basketball and I went to camp and I was a, a better cheerleader than I was, um, you know, defensively or offensively there, but he was just a really strong, positive um, role model for me and in, in how I do things. And my mom is just really, they really are opposites of each other in a way that she's very creative and entrepreneurial and has always had her own business and um, has had raised us to really be, you know, always taking on opportunity and, and always seeing something possible. So those two things paired together have created a little bit of a monster, I would say, because my (laughs) head is always spinning um, with what I can be doing next. But I feel like I'm in such a sweet spot of life currently where I work really hard and I've worked hard my whole life. And now I'm really getting to dig into the areas in life I'm truly passionate about and turning those into businesses. So I would say my parents are are really influential in, in that. And then I've had some really great leaders, some also not so great leaders. Um, but one in particular was actually when I was a nanny, I always had a job since I was 12 years old. I was a nanny um, throughout high school for the best family. Um, I still like talk about them all the time, but the wife was a just badass. I hope we can swear on here. Um, blur me out <laughs> if you can't. Um, absolutely. <laughs> businesswoman. And um, she taught me, you know, what it means to keep growing. So I loved nannying and I wanted to have that job. It was super cushy and they treated me so well. And they saw my potential from a young age and she really mentored me and was like, look, Hillary, you never want to get in this place where you're complacent and you always, you have so much potential, keep pushing those boundaries. Um, so that's something that stuck with me my entire life. Anytime I get comfortable, I'm like, okay, what's next for me? Um, where am I pushing my edge? Because I, I guess maybe I've just gotten really bored in a comfort zone or I just learned my lesson that that comfort doesn't create success and doesn't create growth. And those things are fundamental for me. So it's a long winded answer, but those people are my love it. inspirations from a young age. Yeah. So uh, I can't help but think about 
um, like that combination of your parents and how, you know, you, you've become the leader, the leader that you are uh, in, in your field, in your business, uh, in your practice. Um, <clears throat> and I think so much immediately to the last, the previous two women we've had on the podcast, uh, one police officer, one uh, worked in construction and uh, Sky was also uh, an entrepreneur. And uh, of the two of them, they both, uh, they both uh, led with women as people and as people that they looked up to as leaders. And you said with, you started with your father. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the reason why I bring that up and ask that question is because um, was there any part of you viewing your father as a leader that even considered the fact that it might be different for you as a, as a woman? I love that question. Um, and I've actually never been asked that before. And because I always say my dad when asked that question about inspiration, but no. And the reason being is because my dad never set an example that was because he's a man, he can have these things. And because I'm a woman, I can't. He always taught me I can have whatever I want as long as I work and get after it. And he never made you know, my gender a part of it, or he was the one really encouraging my success in business um, and, and showing me how it could be done and never saw that as a disadvantage. He recognizes to this day the hardships, you know, I've definitely faced as a woman climbing the ladders that I've climbed, but I think I didn't really even understand what that meant until a later age that there was that disparity because I was raised in such a way that, I mean, both me and my brother were looked at completely the same in terms of ability and what careers we had and something that was instilled in me. And I just wrote my dad a Father's Day card and I, I did say he's going to listen to this, but I saw him get a little teary eyed and the <laughs> card, <laughs> I mean, don't often see my dad cry, but um, on the inside, it was something about like, thank you for you know, not raising me to be a a damsel in distress or something. But my dad has taught me that he always has raised me to have my own life and provide for myself no matter what life has in store for me. And I am someone that one day, yes, wants a family and all those things. But to have that base foundation was really important for him to instill in me. And I think um, that's really important for dads of you know, females and girls to instill in their daughters just to create that individuality and and to show them that that life is possible for them. Um, So it's a good question. No, I I never saw it as, oh, my dad's a male and so I can't have these things. And I really think that's, that was his approach. Yeah, I think so much of the, I think so much of the, um, well, you know, you got to work a little harder because you're a female or you have to do a little different because you're a female. And, and I also see now that obviously with the Fempire podcast mm-hmm. and women in business, like I imagine that there are, uh, there are women who didn't have that, that luxury of a leader like your father around them who was, mm-hmm. uh, although male, was creating the space for you as a female to really step into your entire leadership. Right. And just because he taught me those things doesn't mean that I didn't experience when I got out into the workforce, not so much until I really was in medical device sales, which is really, you know, it's become, um, you know, more women in that space, but 
it really is male dominated if you look at you know board of directors on on every company and, and who's in charge um so i i first experienced it there so i think you can be instilled with those values and you can come across situations that you're going to be faced you know and I, i've dealt with leaders that see me as less than because i am a female and i have to work twice as hard but to me that's yeah that's not fair and, and not how it should be but like i just always worked hard so it's hard for me to distinguish you know how much of it is because I'm a female and how much of it is instinct for me to just always want to get to the next level and prove people wrong because if I can even sense that someone is doubting me I (laughs) I don't like that I go uh it's go time it's go time. So I think that was my yeah. next question was like, has that motivated you even more when people do doubt you because you are female? I mean, is that really a big role in your motivation or do you think that just is so ingrained in you? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it motivates me less so now. So I've since done doing the Fempire and really have my eyes open to what goes on everywhere. I've been really just getting into conversation with people. And I had up until a few months ago, I was the only female on my team of eight people. And I work with all, you know, men, a lot of them who I'm very close friends with, but they'll say things sometimes that are just vastly inappropriate on a Zoom call or in a work meeting. And I just call them right out now and they know I'm going to do it and they respect me. Um, and I've created that space and, and they've created that space as well. But I think for me more now, um, I, since I can't distinguish whether or not I have to work harder, um, cause I just am going to work hard anyway. I think for me, the importance is creating an environment for everyone to feel on equally, uh, playing field. So if I need to push back on a comment that's being made, I'm happy to do that. Um, and, and I do, and I, it it took a lot of guts to get there because I think opening your mouth um, and, and saying something vulnerable like that, you worry it could spin in the other direction. And, and it sure. has in, in some instances, but I think it's my approach too. And, and how I shouldn't have been the leader in that role. And just, I've learned a lot about my delivery um, as well and, and how I communicate to them. And, and now it's almost like their language has shifted and, in the environment. And I'm really proud of, of them for making those changes too. Cause I know whoever comes in after me will, will have a, a better place. So that's kind of my, my stand on it. I have yeah, to leave think, it in a better position for the next person. I think one of the things that we've, you know, uh, all of our guests has been that something that has been kind of repeated upon is the language and the vocabulary that you use as a leader and how important that is of, of whether you're trying to convey a certain message or um, you're trying to communicate something, whether it's a critique or whether it's a, um, a praise of, of one of the people that either works for you or above you of how you address them. Can you talk to that communication piece of whether how you've learned that or, or what your feeling is when you walk into kind of a situation like you're talking about where someone says something that's, really inappropriate and you know instead of going right at the jugular which i think most people probably feel like all right i'm gonna get them (laughs) where that maybe that either response is isn't as um meaningful um whereas using a certain vocabulary a certain communication style is much more um impressionable can you speak Mm -hmm. to that a little bit 
Yeah, for sure. So I think the biggest thing in those situations for me, um, I, I used to maybe make it into a joke or try to play it off. And I, I would gut check that moment afterwards and be like, yeah, I didn't handle that right. And I've always been someone that is very self-reflective and what I've seen to work, um, most recently when I am engaged in those conversations and in that space is just meeting the person where they are. A lot of the times you have to check the intention. And I don't think, I mean, you can use emotional intelligence in those situations, but I know my team pretty well. And I know they're not personally trying to offend me by a comment they're making, or I would hope not um, as people that are, are trying to be successful in their careers. So I meet them on their level and just say, Hey, you know, that comment let's dive into that. And this is what I'm hearing. And this is how it comes off to me. And an awesome way to say what you just said in, in a way that would make me feel better about it is this example. So giving them um, kind of a way to reuse what they were trying to say. A lot of times they, when they have said things, they don't realize what they've said. They make a lot of generalizations just, you know, with staff or whatever it is. Um, that we're working with. And it drives me crazy because I see things um, as equal. So I'm constantly just having that conversation with them. And now we're at the point where they know when they've said it and they look at me, whether it be on a Zoom call or in the space and they're like, and, and I meant to say, and I'm like, that's perfect. I think perfect. instilling that it, we're going to make mistakes. We're human. I say things incorrectly all the time. I'm learning that every day. But if we can catch ourselves and, and correct ourselves in the moment, that's where the shift happens and the learning happens. So I think leaving them with something to think about um, and, and trying not to react too, because I learned this from our last podcast guest that we had on too. She was fantastic at not reacting. And I've noticed in the moments that I react or get upset, it just becomes about the emotion and less about the fact of the matter. And when you take the emotion out of it, and just get to the facts. It's very easy for two people to communicate about facts or so I've, I've learned. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> I just so, I feel like that's so much easier said than done. It <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to be a super mature, like eloquent person to not react and not get emotional because I feel like, you know, whatever profession you're in, you're, you're invested in. And I feel like, again, that's something that is ingrained in you. It sounds like it, it was ingrained um, since your childhood um, mm -hmm. from your dad of if you're going to be invested in something like all of your being is going to be in there. Right. So it's right. tough to remove that emotion piece, but how critical it is now, if you look back and you look at maybe it's a young female that's on your team, and you're trying to lead her a bit in not reacting to those little micro jabs that mm -hmm. might be on a Zoom call or whatever it is, and and knowing that that that's not going to get to you, but that you also address it as well. I think it's super important. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like that's my whole. I like the way you put it there. Like that's kind of how I've always been. Is I'm all in. I'm all there. Um, but for me, I think this is something in the last few years that's really become important it, in terms of where I am right now with my work, because I know I'll be transitioning out of, of this field at some point to really take on my passion projects full time, but I need to leave this space better than I, I found it. So, um, 
that's really my, my mission and goal in, in having those conversations. And when you have that, it makes those conversations a lot easier instead of just having them for, you know, a personal need or, or whatever it is, which are completely valid reasons to have those conversations. But um, when you make it about something other than yourself, I know for me personally, that makes it more, more reason to do it and have those maybe tough conversations. Hell, I mean, it's so timely uh, to be having like discussions about education and using education as your as your weapon instead of your shield. I think is like super super powerful, mm-hmm. um, and I'm learning a lot about about those opportunities for education as well. You know, as a person of color, and uh, I, 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 not that I could imagine what it's like to be a, a female in, in business in a male dominated space, um, but uh, you know, one of my friends who actually will be on the show with us uh, in, the, in the next few episodes, he just started some conversations about toxic masculinity and um, really about a lot of similar topics, right? It's like, you know, using, uh, using verbiage or setting expectations of men or of, or of women um, that, that create that hostile space or, or environment. Um, so the question that I asked him, and, and I'd like to ask you the same question, is um, do you feel like you're a leader in that com- like during that conversation? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Um, I'm very excited to hear that episode. <laughs> and I would feel I am a leader in my life in that. So I lead with that in my work. Um, a lot of those comments that have been made are ones made out of you know, I think that environment, that toxic max masculinity, a lot of times people making a joke of, of women in a certain space. Um, but I also have seen it a lot in my personal life and, and with friends as well. And I think for me, it's just, I could be a better learner um, in that subject. And I've listened to a good amount of podcasts on it. Um, I've also, you know, broken off relationships because there was a heavy amount of toxic masculinity um, that I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, move forward. I see someone, you know, I think we're all products of our our environment and I never look at someone and say, you know, we can't work through this. I always try to see the possibility, the potential. I always look for the positive. So I think with certain individuals in my life that have come across and maybe haven't shown up with, you know, this, these elements to their behavior right away, they show up with them later. And then I try to work with them to understand why they have those rooted behaviors and and move beyond them. And if they won't move with me, then I can't surround myself with, with that. (laughs) Because I'm just an advocate for, for, I guess, the anti of toxic masculine and just I don't know what that would be dubbed in terms of a phrase but um and I know uh, yeah just good guys I don't know um which I know many of and I think I I know so many great guys um you being a really close friend of mine and so many awesome individuals that when I see someone with those behaviors it has I have a really hard time looking past um, understanding why those couldn't be changed, I guess. I don't know if that fully answers your question. But. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no there's no right and wrong way to answer any question here. <laughs> I think <laughs> um, 
I just think the conversation is so important. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I kind of want to flip the flip a little bit of like our, our purview of this conversation and pull out a little bit and think of, um, just like you as a leader, uh, in your life and your business and, and how you're operating, which is a little bit of where we're going with this and think through, you know, what are, what are your leadership qualities that, that you feel like, uh, would be a superpower and, and, and where do you think you still have opportunity? Mm. So the first that comes to mind as a superpower would be empathy. I think my number one skill is meeting people where they are and, and working as a team. I think leadership, the best leaders I've had and, and who I try to be as a leader is someone that is a, a team player through and through there is no way you're going to succeed if, if you're not playing on the same team and, and down on the field you know with your teammates even though you're you know the coach or whoever you are I, you have to be in it um so for me I have that empathy piece and, and I really see how important it is um to see people and, and see what they're going through and what they're contributing and and just see people as a whole instead of looking at oh they've made this one contribution or lacked here and, and seeing them for, for that moment, I, I really am able to look at the entire person and, and coach through that. Um, my area of opportunity is, is something that I'm working on and I've kind of given examples on it, but it's being more direct. Um, I think as women, especially, we try to sugarcoat things and people please. And I did that for a lot of my career. Um, wanting to make sure I was presenting myself in a way that, you know, would get me to the next level. And I'm at the point in my career where I have enough credibility in, in who I am and, and what I've worked hard for um, that I, I just need to be direct with calling things as they are, giving feedback in the moment, um, and, and just really being clear on expectations and, and managing through expectations as well. Well, I, I really love the, the empathy and teamwork theme. I think we've, we've seen a lot of that with our, our previous guests. And I think that's uh, just so important to building as a leader. Um, can you speak to kind of a situation where maybe you had to kind of stretch as a leader of whether it was mentoring someone, you know, below you or who works for you or that was the difficult moment for you as a leader and kind of talking through what qualities really brought up in that situation? I can. Um, the one instance that comes to mind is definitely, I don't want to get into specifics and I, um, just because I don't know who will listen to this <laughs> and I definitely will promote it, but um, I think the hardest thing that I've had to do, and I've had to do it a few times now and in my current role, um, but I've had to lead up and coach up. Um, so when I'm coaching my manager or the person that is in charge of, of my position, that is hard for me because I think there's always this dynamic that's been set um, in organizations where you have a leader, a superior um, and you kind of really listen to them and what they have to say. And I've gone through instances many a time, um, really in the past few years that I've had to coach up and, and give feedback to a leader 
whether it be performance-based or action-based, I've seen things that are just not appropriate, um, you know, whether it be in the retail world or medical device sales, and I have to coach up to that and call it as it is. Um, and I've done that. And it's, those are the moments I think that like your stomach drops to your feet and you're like sweating. And for me personally, um, and just wondering, is this something I should be doing? And those conversations have grown me more than any conversations I've had because of, you know, I think the response I've gotten from the people and the feedback I've delivered, um, maybe not right away, maybe taken six months to a year for them to circle back to me and say, Hey, that was really impactful. Um, but I think coaching up for me has been a a really stretch moment for me in my career. Um, as of late. I love that. I think, uh, that's so important to, you know, and, and to also have leaders that, um, you know, are willing to listen, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. six months or a year down the line that they actually, right. you know, get it into themselves that they understand what you're telling them. But I think that's really important. And I think that leads to kind of, you know, one of the things that we always talk about that you really didn't like or appreciate. Yes, definitely. So um, just as I was mentioning in terms of what I think is most important in leadership and, and being a team, um, I think my least favorable leader that I've had and, and worked under is when I've felt that leader is really isolated and I feel like they're not in it with us. Um, and I've had that experience come across a few times, but it, I, I would define it as like the lazy leader. And mm-hmm. I hate to say that because lazy is kind of an aggressive term. I feel like, um, but I, like I feel a, like it is a four are, letter word. it is but it has so much weight to it um and i but i think that people that are not willing to grow themselves grow their people get in it with their people um even just grow you know for themselves want the best for themselves i have a really hard time um being led by individuals like that just because i am so growth oriented and and so fast moving action based um, I think when I see someone just sitting back and trying to watch success of everyone play out without really doing the work, um, it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> so you've hit a, a nerve there, but <laughs> I just can't stand, um, I can't stand that. So I try not to be that. I, in all the areas of my life where I do lead, I want everyone, I never want someone to say, oh, Hillary just like sits back and, and watches everything done for her. Like I want, I, the biggest compliment someone could pay me is that they felt like I was their colleague or, you know, I was, you know, a team player or they saw me, you know, doing everything they were expected to do right along with them. Um, Cause I really don't believe in hierarchy and, and tasks, I think. If the job needs to get done, you need to figure out how to get it done as a team. And if that means me getting my hands dirty too, I'm happy to do it as long as it's done well. Um, Hillary, I just want to jump back for a second to, Mm -hmm. to your talking about coaching up. And I feel like we talked about it uh, and we moved on when I think like that deserves a little bit more of a spotlight because that Mm skill set. Uh, is really freaking hard. Um, mm-hmm. Like to have the courage 
to coach up um, and to have enough know-how on how to do it appropriately where it's actually well received and it's valid. And it's not, it's one of those things where uh, that's a baseball move. Uh, and I say baseball move cause like you gotta hit, you gotta hit two out of 10 and you'll feel pretty good about that. Um, uh-huh. So I just want to like, number one, acknowledge that that is a, that's like a leadership master move in my mind. Oh, whoa. I don't know. I wouldn't call myself a master <laughs> or anything yet, but thank you. No. Um, and then, you know, the second thing that comes to mind is this idea of, uh, of like a, a leader that you saw that like you didn't like as much. And it felt like those two places were in parallel. And what I mean is, um, you know, the skill set that, that I feel like just want to acknowledge, uh, is like an incredible skill set of being able to coach up and the courage behind that. And then the kind of, uh, the stark, uh, answer to, what I didn't like in a leader and how those two things really line up really well. So I think it's mm-hmm. interesting how that has developed for you over time. Um, and that's yeah. It. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, they line up because I'm practicing the coaching up in, in the environment where I maybe feel that leader is exhibiting, you know, the lack of leadership or the leadership that I'm struggling with. So I think maybe that's why they coincide in, in conversation, but I think too, and like, thank you for saying that coaching up is difficult because it is. And I failed at it so many times. So I don't want anyone to think like you have to be some master to give feedback. I think it's really, really important to give feedback um, to our leaders and to the people above us in order to be better leaders ourselves, because it will grow you more than, like I said, any conversation I've had for sure, it's grown me. But those aren't the conversations you go into and I'm like, got my coffee, I'm good. Like, we're going to be cackling in five minutes. It's like, I am about to throw up. And, you know, you role play it out multiple times. And I think, but if it feels like that, it's probably something you should be having. And um, I think it is really important. I don't think there's enough of it. And I think, I wish I had done it a lot sooner in my career, but I didn't have the guts to do it. So I'm glad I'm finally at a place where I'm like, you know what, I earned my my seat here and I'm I can have this conversation. Yeah, how important do you think and that kind of comes to me a little bit, Hillary, is of just how important the practice of leadership is. You you have, you know, you're starting your own business. You're obviously very well established within your your orthopedic group. Um, and you know, you have your own podcast, so you're practicing leadership a ton. I think for our listeners, I think it'd be cool to hear, you know, you always just say, okay, be a leader. You're a leader. Mm -hmm. Here's X, Y, Z. You know, how important is that practice of talking about it, of communicating it and then, and then putting it into practice vice just going, okay, I'm a leader, go into it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think what you say when it's like, I'm just going to be a leader and and this is that, that makes me think of that like lazy leader prototype, someone that just expects things to be given to them um, because of whatever reason. Um, I've, I've been born a natural leader. My father is a leader. I think I just followed in those footsteps and I've always taken a leadership role in my friend groups and, you know, 
my brother would say I am very bossy. Um, but <laughs> I definitely have always exemplified that in, in my character. And then I think to me, there's nothing that inspires me more than an incredible leader. Like I love to watch, you know, really strong leaders communicate, um, and just share, you know, their visions. And I live right near Brown University and we, I don't know if we snuck in um, illegally, so I should, probably shouldn't be saying this, but they did do these talks that they opened to, I think the public, it seemed like a lot of students. And I watched these CEOs of, you know, fashion industry, which is not an industry I'm in, but communicate and, and discuss through leadership a, a few weeks ago, well, months ago now, pre-COVID. And it was one of the most inspiring nights I've had because I love listening to leaders talk. And I think any leader that loves being a leader wants, you know, to grow in leadership is someone that really loves people and really wants their people to succeed and is always going to try to find resources to grow and be better, whether that, you know, seeking out inspiring leaders or fine tuning their leadership skills. Um, but I think it's, to me, it's so much action-based. Like you can sit there and read all the books you want and listen to all the podcasts you want to listen to. But if you're not practicing it in your daily life or putting yourself in a, in a role where you can exemplify um, leadership skills, then it's really hard to step up into that next level. But I think everyone has the opportunity to, to be a leader, of course. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, you really need to practice, hone in on those skills. Um, if you want to be a successful one. I, uh, I freaking love that. Hill. And I think it's one of those, it, it, this is one of those things that people recognize or people think is, uh, it, it's easier to say, Oh, well, you know, you just have that ability or you just have, but it's, it's really is, you know, work in whatever work you put in is what you get out of it. And that's what I, that's what I love about this topic. And there's so many things that we've covered, um, here today that I feel like are, are themes that we continue to hear, you know, the empathy piece, the communication piece that they've talked about, you know, the vocabulary piece. Uh, and here you're talking about like the, the practice of doing it every day, right? And how are you improving? How are you putting people first and thinking through those conversations and continuing to learn? Um, but, you know, m my last question to wrap us up, because we are, we're getting close here. Um, can you remember the first time you felt like a leader? Oh my gosh. Good question. Um, yes. It was when I was very young. Um, and me and my neighbor had a lemonade stand. And I was given a goal by my dad, of course. Um, he put a goal before he left for work for the day of how much I could sell. Um, and my neighbor could care less about selling lemonade. I probably roped him in and, you know, pitched him. I've always been selling something. Um, so I got him to do it. And I ran that lemonade stand like it was a full-time job. Actually, I should be doing that now because I'd probably be really successful at it. I'll add that to my list of side gigs. Um, but we vastly exceeded the goal. And I remember my dad telling me that I could, they were always bribing with, certain things and it was a yellow game boy um that I could get it was the <laughs> that like burnt yellow game boy and I wanted it so bad and he said if I hit my goal that they would get that and I like 
doubled the goal and he came home like didn't believe it counted the cash multiple times he's like did mom give you money no nope at no one everyone vouched for me they saw me hustling um and I think in that moment I, I saw in myself those those skills and I got my game boy so it was awesome but um yeah, yeah I think it's been in me since a, a young young age love it that's <laughs> selling lemonade uh yeah. is when yeah i love it um i didn't realize <laughs> you were a rhode islander one of my favorite areas in the country just oh of, is I, it yeah oh yeah i lived in newport for uh oh my god uh, two years that were like two and a half years of the best time in my life so a uh, very so special cool. part in my heart. Um, just to wrap it up, Hillary, uh, appreciate you being here, but we always ask, um, you know, what resources, whether it's a book, uh, magazine, whatever it is that you um, kind of lean on and, and, and read or go back to certain situations, uh, can you share with us anything that um, really has inspired you maybe recently or in the past that um, you would recommend to our listeners? Sure. So recently, just in the space I'm in, podcasts are like my number one go-to. Um, and I won't plug my own, though I could. Um, but I love, I don't know if you guys listen to it at all. It's The Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. Um, and I've listened to a few episodes on there, but actually the one with Monica Lewinsky was really interesting to me. Um, it was a while back. So I would, I've been talking to a lot of people about it just because I think his interviewing skills and how he shows up as a leader get something different out of everyone he interviews. Um, and it's a side of her story I've never heard before. So I encourage you to listen to some of his work. And I think it's pretty cool what he's doing in, in getting those people to share and open up in different ways. So a little bit of a, a okay. twist on that resource, but yeah. Can you also plug Fempire Podcast for us? <laughs> sure. So yeah, my <laughs> my podcast is the Fempire Podcast. Um, we just released an episode last Friday on um, a conversation on racism with an incredible guest, and it was a really powerful conversation. So if you're looking for more resources on anti-racism and how to be an active ally, that's a, that's a good one. Um, and then my new Instagram for my business is whole underscore RX um, on Instagram. That's where you can find all my health and wellness. And then I'm at life of Hillary on Instagram. So a lot going on. We are so pumped that you came on. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Oh, I'm so, so glad you guys had me. Thank you so much. All right. Well, this is episode 11 of Lucky to Lead. Boom.